Hi guys and welcome back to the Female Fitness Podcast. I'm your host Danny, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by Phil Fleming who I have had on the Female Fitness Podcast before but a very long time ago so I thought it'd be nice to do a bit of an update. Um, Phil is an online coach herself and a fantastic one at that and she's also one of my clients and she really knows her stuff. So Phil Obviously, the last time I had you on the podcast was a very long time ago. And we spoke yeah. a bit about like your journey with competing, how you did within the sport of bodybuilding, why you no longer compete, um, and sort of like how to make a decision on whether to compete yourself for the people listening. So where are you at now? And what are your goals sort of personally and professionally? Mm, so I am very much fixated on hypertrophy at the moment um, and just lifting because I feel good and I think you know we touched on that before didn't we like in terms of competing um, but now I'm very much like I just enjoy lifting so I lift <laughs> um, doesn't mean to say I don't have to see goals at the same time like you know that as my coach um, we're working towards hypertrophy and just generally all over muscle specifically my legs Um but more so just lifting because I enjoy it. And I think that's a nice, satisfying place to be. <laughs> yeah, I actually think it's really refreshing for people to hear that as well. Um, I think we touched on this last time you came on the podcast, but it can be so common for people to think that you have to have some kind of like extreme goal and you have to commit your entire life to it. But yeah. actually, for a lot of people, the right thing is just to like yourself progress in a manner that enables you to live your life and still progress in other areas of life um and not just like conform to what everyone else is doing and what's popular yeah honestly I still get it now like the amount of people that come up to me in the gym are like are you going to compete again I'm like no like that's just not where my head's at anymore at all like I just I lift because I enjoy it I lift in a way that makes it fit in with my life and the things that I enjoy doing I can still have physique goals of my own and not to you know please anybody else or anyone on stage um you know, not to say I have anything against people that compete, like we've spoken about that before, but yeah, it's just quite nice to just be in your own little bubble with it sometimes. <laughs> um, I think my, how I want my physique to look as well is very different to how a judge might want me to look on stage. And that's, that's nice. Cause I'm just doing it because I want to look like that and not for anybody else. Yeah. I love that. And it just shows that like, you're not doing it for external validation and you're doing yeah. it for you. Do you know when people ask you those questions in the gym, like say they come up to you and they ask you about like when you're next competing, if you're thinking of competing again, why do you think people are sometimes so persistent with those questions? Yeah, I just think it's such a, it's like an expectation now. Um, if you go to the gym and if you're in relatively good shape, you must compete or everyone, you know, I'm sure people do that where they've been training for a couple of years and they think the next step, the logical step is to step on stage. And it's a bit crazy when you think about it, considering how much it puts your body through, but I think it's just an expectation of everyone and I don't know about you or where you train but a lot of the people in my gym like they do that so it's the norm um whereas for me it's just not the route that I want to go back down definitely I think because now I've changed gyms and the gym that I go to now 
it is full of people who are, I'd say, a little bit more advanced, a little bit further into their fitness journey. They know their stuff. There's a lot of coaches there. But yeah. it's very much a mixture of like, there are some bodybuilders, but they definitely don't make up the majority of the gym. Yeah. The majority of the gym are like either coaches who like don't compete mm. or um, just people in the general population who maybe take their training a bit more seriously, but aren't interested in pushing to that extreme and have it consume their lives. So that's yeah. quite refreshing. That's nice. I'd like that. <laughs> yeah, but it is, I, I do agree that it's quite quite rare and funnily enough like looking back how I actually got into competing in the first place was because I kind of fell into it because someone made that that kind of comment to me they sort of like saw that I was developing muscle tissue and they said to me oh like have you ever considered competing because you probably do pretty well and then I was like oh no I haven't but maybe I will (laughs) and that's how I ended up getting into competing when in reality like you said it's such an extreme and it should be so much more carefully considered yeah definitely especially like having experience that you know how much of an impact it has on your body and it's almost scary to think that people can just fall into it because and and sort of not really know what they're letting themselves in for because it's a lot it's a real lot exactly um and so how long have you actually been in your current hypertrophy phase do you know what someone asked me this on Instagram the other day because I think I posted a transformation they were like how many dieting phases have you done between these photos and I was like none I've literally done none like I've just been in this hypertrophy phase for a good few years and just really trying to progress um haven't felt the need to do any you know dieting phases I think we've both taken this hypertrophy phase quite slowly just sort of eating just above maintenance which has been the sweet spot for me and so I've not you know got to a point where I've put on excessive amounts of body fat and had to diet I've just taken it really slow and steady yeah no your condition has held like really really well and I think that's hopefully really good for people to see and that it's quite reassuring that actually just because your goal is hypertrophy and you're building muscle tissue it doesn't mean that you need to put on excessive quantities of body fat you don't need to be in this like huge surplus which some people enter into Mm -hmm. um, which in my opinion often often ends up being quite counterproductive and I think taking it slow and steady like you have offers so many different benefits um what do you find for you is beneficial about taking a hypertrophy phase quite slow and steady as opposed to pushing up quite aggressively? I mean, I think any woman is pretty much going to be the same in in the sense that you don't really want to put on a load of body fat in one go. It doesn't make you feel comfortable. I've, you know, I've done it before and it's not a nice feeling. I prefer to still feel like I have some condition, like, yes, I am in a surplus, but I don't feel like huge in any way shape or form so I think it's quite reassuring to do that in a way um still be able to see your strength progress and still be able to see your physique changing but not in a way that's um kind of like over the top at the same time so it's quite nice to take it slow and steady yeah I also think it's a healthier way to go about it as well because obviously there are negatives that can come with putting on an excessive amount of body fat in a short period of time, both psychologically and physically. And if you can actually go about that in a much slower, steadier way, 
one, you're probably going to, like you said, be able to deal with it much, much better mentally and feel better about yourself. Body image, body confidence is probably going to be better, but also you're not putting yourself at as much of a risk from a physical perspective either. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when it comes to building muscle as well. Like you you can't build that much muscle in one go. So if you're eating in a huge surplus, all you're going to do is put more body fat on than you need to put on. The muscle that you think you've gained probably isn't as much muscle as you thought in the first place. Like if you came to diet and you sort of are a bit disappointed because you maybe didn't build as much muscle as you thought you had and you'd actually put on maybe more body fat than you needed. It's just a kind of a pointless situation to put yourself in. Yeah. What do you think about when, say, someone posts and they're posting like a physique shot or whatever and they're like, oh, I've put on x number of kilos in say a few weeks and it's gone like straight to my glutes what are your thoughts on that (laughs) straight to your glutes um I mean you're very lucky if it all goes straight to your glutes I wouldn't be mad about that um but yeah it's exactly what I said really it's kind of like a pointless situation to be in because you're not going to have gained that much muscle by you know putting that much weight on that quickly it's fine if you want to by all means go for it but you know and just from a physique development perspective, it might not be the most intelligent route to go down. Yeah, exactly. And I think that if someone does sort of see, say they see like um, a certain muscle group looks a lot fuller after putting on a decent amount of weight, a lot of that is probably just muscle glycogen and water anyway, um, and a good pump from the gym. So often if you see people that are claiming that they've gained loads of muscle tissue in a short period of time, a lot of it is muscle glycogen, water, and like a good pump. So I think it's really important for people to bear that in mind as well. Yeah. And also just like genetic fat distribution, like everyone's different. So if you if you're lucky enough to store it all in your glutes in a in a nice way, then good for you. Yeah. <laughs> I think also um another one of the benefits of taking it slow and steady is purely the fact that you can spend longer in a hypertrophy phase like yourself, which obviously allows you longer to progress with the exercises in your training program. Definitely. And longer to accumulate new muscle tissue where whereas you'll probably agree that when people go into these like excessive surpluses they often just end up getting really uncomfortable and then wanting to diet again and cutting the hypertrophy phase short absolutely yeah you couldn't have said it more right I mean if you're trying to build muscle you know it's something that takes a very long period of time so realistically you want to spend as much time as you possibly can in that phase rather than having to break it up with constant dieting phases it's not going to be very productive from an overall hypertrophy standpoint yeah and for the listeners can you see progress with hypertrophy whilst you are at maintenance or do you have to be in a surplus you can absolutely see it at maintenance. Um, I mean, it's better to be in a very small surplus if that's what you're aiming for. But I think we've kind of, I've kind of accidentally stayed at maintenance for a while and um I've still seen a huge amount of progress. I think it's a very underrated place to be, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. Um, what I also think has been really interesting has been your glute growth over the <laughs> over the past month or so as um I'll obviously let you explain but like why do you think you've seen more glute growth over the last month or so than you have done prior to that 
Well, I have done in years. God. Um. Well, I injured my my shoulder slash neck, so I've been training lower body like there is no tomorrow. So I have just grown substantial amount of glute in the last few months. I think. Yeah. Um. I, yeah. I. I mean, I've literally been training glutes like three, four times a week. So yeah, which yeah. I think is a great example of how um frequency of hitting each muscle group is important when it comes to progressing with hypertrophy however I also think a really good point to make is that the reason you've been able to handle that volume through your lower half is because you've not been training upper body like if you had been training upper body like you were previously you wouldn't have been able to handle that same volume through your lower body training no definitely not it's just been you know one of those times where you've had to use it as an opportunity to you know focus on what I can focus on not worry about the things I can't do at the minute and yeah I've just grown some wham glutes in the last couple of months but I think it certainly makes a point of like specialization phases definitely do have their place like if you have a priority muscle group for example Mm -hmm. uh, and say like you really aren't bothered about whether you lose muscle tissue through your other your upper half but you really want to grow your legs if someone's listening to this and in that position it might be you know it might be a good place to do a bit of a specialization phase and really focus on like lower body training if that's your priority yeah, I think especially as females as well, like when it comes to lower body training, you can have you can handle a lot of volume. Um, and that's an important point to make when it comes to growing it, because you do have to prioritize it and you do have to put the work in. Um, I was having a conversation with someone the other day who said you should only train lower body twice a week, otherwise you won't be able to recover. And I sort of think like you have to be sensible about how you structure it. You can't have like crazy amounts of volume and you can't just train heavy all the time. You have to have the variety in there so that you've got some like uh, some movements that you don't load as much, some body weight movements, some that you load really heavy and not have excessive amounts of volume throughout the week. But if you do it in a sensible way, you can absolutely train them like three times a week well and make significant progress from it. A hundred percent. And you're a classic example of that. And like, I think it's also really important to recognize that everyone's recovery capabilities are different. And also you'll adapt to what you're doing. Um, It's like, and you should never go from doing like very minimal to huge amounts. You should take it. It's like when you did your friend's training session the other day. (laughs) Yeah. So I'll let you you explain what happened when you did your friend's training session and like, why did that happen? So I'll start by saying when I train, I do mostly like two top sets of everything. So I'll have like a top set and a back off set and then I'm done with that exercise. Um, I trained with my friend who tends to do four or five sets of everything and I had the worst arms known to man for the next few days because I am not used to that at all. Um, Obviously, where I train legs really frequently across the week, I physically can't afford to do that much volume because I just wouldn't recover from it at all. But I just decided, you know what, I'm just going to do her plan today. (laughs) And I struggled so much. (laughs) Yeah. And that's a classic example of like, massive changes will result in under recovery really bad muscle soreness that's not productive but actually your body will adapt to what you're doing so if for example you were to start where you are now and gradually taper your volume up 
yes, you could probably get to where she is if you reduce your training frequency alongside that. Yeah. Um, but it's about looking at what works best for you and how many times you want to train a week, what your recovery capabilities are, what you enjoy. Because if you're, say you're doing five sets per exercise, but you're absolutely hating set three, four, and five, and actually you're getting no connection and you're just hating every minute of it, then that's probably not going to be productive either. Exactly, exactly. I think, I mean, prior to my neck injury, I was obviously doing um, upper body in my old training plan and I only had two leg sessions a week, but the volume in those sessions was massively different to the volume in my sessions now. Um, And they absolutely killed me. So there's no way I could have trained legs more than twice a week. It just wouldn't have happened. (laughs) Um, Whereas now by tapering the volume down and being able to, you know, be sensible about how we structure it has worked really well. Yeah, definitely. And for those listening to this podcast, I know a commonly asked question is like, what is better for hypertrophy, higher reps or lower reps? What would your recommendations be from from that perspective? So generally speaking, if you do anything to failure, you are going to grow muscle. That is the science behind it. However, I don't know anyone that does really high reps to true failure. I don't think it really happens. So I think the sweet spot for hypertrophy is generally that sort of eight eight to 12 reps is the gold standard, right? But in and around that place is generally a good place to be. Um, what I will say though is certain muscle groups do tend to respond a little bit better by higher rep ranges um, or having at least a variety of lower and higher rep ranges, for instance, the glutes, obviously. Um, but I think as long as you are, you know, pushing yourself to true failure, there's no reason why you can't grow. It's just making sure that you truly are and you're not just a bit tired. So you stop. <laughs> yeah. And when it comes to glute hypertrophy, what movement patterns should people have in their program if they're trying to grow their glutes in the entirety of their glutes? Yeah, so having a hinge, definitely, or a few hinges throughout your plan. So things like hip thrusts, RDLs, uh, having a squat pattern as well. Um, make sure you have abduction movements in there as well, such as abductor machine, like cable abductions super band like x walks those sorts of things really important because you need to target all areas of the glutes not just glute max so people tend to leave out that one <laughs> you tend to leave out glute medius is what you'll tend to target with abduction movements so that's really important yeah i think it's really helpful for people to know that because often people will sort of veer towards what's pushed on Instagram which often isn't very helpful um they'll be towards like either really complicated banded movements and just sort of like solely stick to that or they'll veer towards exercises like the squat thinking that they'll build their glutes when they're first starting out when in reality the squat alone is probably not going to result in the progress that they want to see no definitely finding movements that you really get a good connection in your glutes with is important and everyone's going to be different in that sense as well like for me things like hip thrusts bulgarian split squats um 45 degree hip extensions those sorts of things target my glutes really well and i get a very good connection with them whereas other movements that people other people might like I might not get on with so I think it is quite important to you know choose the things that you like and you connect with and just progress them yeah definitely and so when you're in a hypertrophy phase 
and you're in that slight surplus, how frequently would you say you should expect to see progress if you could give a recommendation? Mm. That's a hard question, actually. And what should you be using to like measure your progress? So personally, I take pictures over and above anything else, but I know that not everyone loves taking pictures. So it is kind of personal preference. Obviously, scale weight is just irrelevant at the end of the day um but you know it is it's I use it as an indicator as a coach rather than you know a true measure of progress and only if someone feels comfortable doing it as well um but for me personally I like to do pictures but I do recognize that you're not going to see progress every single week especially when you are you know in a hypertrophy phase it's not like you're in a deficit where changes come thick and fast um it's going to be a slow slow trog but you will see it eventually and the other thing to keep in mind is like when you are looking at yourself every single day you're not going to see the changes very easily whereas for now like if I look at pictures now and compare it to this time last year it's vastly different but it does take time yeah I'd say like in a hypertrophy phase if people are going to sort of like compare pictures it's probably more productive to do it over a span of like at least six months so that you can actually yeah. see some solid progress. Yeah. And then even looking back at like a year ago can be really helpful, I think. But comparing weekly, definitely not. Because you even like, you're just going to see natural fluctuations in your body composition with on a weekly basis anyway. So yes. it can really mess with your head if you do that and then see those fluctuations and think, oh, I'm not making progress. It can be quite disheartening. Definitely. Definitely. And you also have to keep in mind, like, you don't have to do photos or anything like that either. I mean, you know, focusing on things like how you're performing in the gym. And if your strength is going up, you're going to be growing muscle. It's as simple as that. Like, it's going to be happening. So you don't necessarily need to be taking photos and analyzing every single part of your physique every single week because you're going to be progressing so just confident in that fact and interestingly sometimes I think it's almost like you know if you don't take progress pictures regularly but you're progressing with your performance you're focusing on how you feel perform and function it's almost like nice because you might then every now and again look at yourself in the mirror and think oh my god like my glutes have grown Mm -hmm. and like not really have paid much attention to that but then just seen it and it have been quite a nice surprise as opposed to you being obsessed over it yeah I couldn't agree more and you're more likely to notice the the progress and the changes that you've made if you're not looking at it regularly like you say yeah and sometimes actually I think when clients are in a hypertrophy phase another way in which I often notice their progress is in training videos Mm, yeah because obviously like they've then got a decent pump as well in the gym and they're contracting the muscles they've got some food and water in their system um and it's under different lighting and you can clearly see when someone's performing a certain exercise sometimes a little bit of muscle tissue development so yeah Yeah. sometimes I think training videos are quite helpful as well definitely I think you said that to me the other day about my yeah I can notice lower body hypertrophy in your videos yeah yeah I agree Definitely. I think it's really helpful to see the body moving as well. And um, obviously, some people are better at taking progress pictures than other people. (laughs) If you get a client who isn't the best at taking progress pictures and they're not really like light and clear, then yeah, yeah, training videos can be really useful. Yeah, 
No, I completely agree. I'm usually fighting with my dog trying to get progress pictures, so I'm pretty sure they turn out different every week. To be fair, Phil, yours are pretty con- yours are very consistent. Like I'd say you do a very good job of progress pictures. I have a technique, actually. Um, so I, I put my phone on video and I st- stick it to the wall with sellotape. And then I you actually yes. I've done this for years and it's elite because then you don't have to rely on getting the picture every time you put it on timer so like you can just stick it and then screenshot from the video right because I used to have um a phone case that stuck to walls so when I was when I used to take progress pictures in prep I had this phone case and that's what I used to to stick it to the wall yeah and, and do the same thing yeah it's good you need one of those phone cases so you don't have to get the sellotape out every check-in day. You know what it is, though? I'm so pedantic about the camera quality. And if you stick it and then it's on the front camera, it's just right. good. I yeah, can't true. live with that. So true. I stick my sellotape. Maybe you need a tripod then. Yeah, I mean, I do have a tripod. I'm just lazy, so... <laughs> <laughs> so you get the sellotape out instead. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I love that um <laughs> and so another little sort of like update since the last time we did a podcast is you've now moved over to full-time online coaching yeah so how long have you been doing that for when was it that you decided to move over so I've been full-time for almost two years has it been that long since we've done a podcast what is it crazy no way two years I remember like voice noting you about that has it actually been two years almost yeah (laughs) oh my god that's insane crazy isn't it yeah Um, so what made you make the original decision um so it was something that I always did kind of on the side like a side hustle (laughs) um whilst I was working my nine-to-five jobs before um And then actually it was COVID that sort of made me decide to go down that route. I mean, everyone found it tough at that time with their jobs and I didn't like the uncertainty of it. So I just decided, you know what, I'm going to throw my absolute all into, um, into coaching. And I just, I did, and I didn't look back. Yeah. How has it been? And has there been anything which, has been like more challenging than you had expected originally potentially yeah I mean it's been stressful I won't lie I know starting a business is not an easy thing to do at all especially with a cost of living crisis (laughs) a pandemic and also um you know it just generally being a very saturated market I think that's been the thing that I have found very difficult I mean The thing that I struggle with is that there's no sort of um, differentiation between people who have not qualified themselves and not educated themselves, but but have the same job title as as me and you. I think that's that's tricky. And I do find that very frustrating sometimes. Um, You know, sometimes it comes down to, you know, if someone's got more Instagram followers, they seem like they're a better choice, whereas they're not actually necessarily the best coach. Um, I think that's that's been a frustrating one for me for sure yeah I agree on that point and I think that there's definitely been phases where I've sort of let that get to me but now I've just sort of I think really learned to just focus on myself and sort of 
fighting a good fight, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. And playing in my That's own lane. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to getting caught up with obviously the sort of um frustrating side of the industry where people are maybe in it for the wrong reasons because they see it as a money-making opportunity and because they enjoy the business side of it as opposed to actually helping people um and I think what's really helped me as well is going to like events such as like level up and such as um mine and Charlie's event at the weekend and actually seeing meeting people in person who are in the industry for the right reasons and actually being in a room full of them and realizing actually there are a lot of good eggs in the industry (laughs) yeah that's really reassuring I think definitely I absolutely love that as well because it's definitely not to say there aren't some incredible people out there doing incredible things but it's just in amongst the rest of it it's quite when you do think about it too much it does get to you (laughs) whereas I think you're absolutely right like if you are doing it for the right reasons and you enjoy helping people and that's what you love doing then you've just got to get your head down and do that yeah and um I think that a lot of people from the outside looking in probably think that our job is very like one dimensional and probably very simple. Like they probably think we just sit at our desk doing check-ins all day and that's it. But actually there are like so many different parts of what we do. Can you give people a bit more of an insight into like what online coaching actually consists of and the different elements of that? Yeah, I mean, so you think of the basics being, you know, you get clients and you, you're sitting there doing check-ins, but then you've also got things like content creation is actually quite time consuming and you have to sit there and think about it a lot. Um, you've then got to think about how you're doing your sales, your email marketing. Um, there's a lot more to it than just, you know, getting clients and sitting there doing check-ins, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. Um and what advice would you give to someone who's maybe struggling managing all of that who's just sort of like got into online coaching or is thinking of getting into online coaching just lay out everything you have to do like very simply and it is just a it's a mammoth task trying to go through it all and sometimes it is a bit intimidating sometimes I like to backlog my content and have a you know at least a couple of weeks of I know exactly what I'm going to post because there's nothing worse than getting to the day and panicking and then trying to like record a video or something when you don't really know what you're doing you need to have like that all backlogged um and just try and make your systems as easy as you possibly can as well um because things can get quite clunky if you don't like actually put the time into making things efficient when I say things I mean like your email marketing for example um having things you know prepared if you sign up a client for example you'd like to have like an email campaign ready to go so that you don't have to then go through everything individually because it is very time consuming um so just just having things as efficient as you possibly can and it is useful to put the time into doing that so that you know when you do find yourself in situations where you've maybe signed up a load of clients in one go you're not then panicking <laughs> trying to sort everything out yeah definitely I think that's solid advice and um what has been what do you find the most fulfilling thing about what you do um and what has been like the best thing about the transition that you've made 
Mm. My most fulfilling thing is seeing clients like change their mindsets more than anything. Mindsets and physiques, but mostly mindsets. I find that the most satisfying part, you know, when someone's actually genuinely happy and they've figured out that sort of light bulb moment of being able to get their physique that they want and also fit it into their lives and do it in a way that they don't hate genuinely I find like so many of my clients in that situation where they've obviously like done x y and z before and they've just hated every second of it and not found it you know sustainable in any way shape or form and it's when they have that light bulb moment that they're like ah like I get it now (laughs) that's the most satisfying bit for me um, sorry, what's the second part of your question? It was just like, what have you found the most fulfilling and what has been the best thing about the transition that you've made? Yeah, the best bit about it is literally that, like, I just really enjoy helping people. Like, where I was working in a nine-to-five before, it, you don't get the same, like, I was doing, working in sports marketing. So it's like, it's not helping anybody. <laughs> it's literally just like doing it for the company. And I just, just didn't find it anywhere near as satisfying as I do this. I hear you on that. And um, my mind just went completely blank then. Okay. It's late. <laughs> <laughs> it's not late. It's just dark outside. It's not even late, Phil. It's quarter to five. <laughs> oh. Slow enough. <laughs> um, and I know what I was going to say. So I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. I know, but what are your goals with your business? Like, what would you like to achieve? Mm. It's more just a case of growing my clientele at the moment. Like, I have a really good bunch of girls who I absolutely love coaching, but I just love to continue to grow that. Love to do more in the way of like I did a group photo shoot last year, which I absolutely loved because I never get the opportunity to meet anyone. And actually, like going to do that, I loved it. Like being able to meet all the girls, have such a good day. So I'd love to do more in-person events like that as well. So that's definitely something I'd like to do next year um and yeah just continue to to grow the team yeah I love that would you ever consider like your own podcast or anything along you know what I have it has been on my like side list of things I want to (laughs) do so I've been thinking about that one (laughs) no I personally love the podcast I could just think it's a great way to get your message out into the world and also obviously chat with loads of other professionals in the industry provide value like help people like I love it so I'd recommend it but obviously I'm I might have to pick your brains about (laughs) I'll just start a podcast and anyone listening to this let me know if you'd be interested in listening to me ramble on a podcast if you want Phil to make a podcast Put this on your Instagram story and tag her or drop her a DM. And if she gets enough interaction, she will start a podcast. Love it. Yeah, you're on it. That's the one. (laughs) And so I'll start on the coaching side first, and then I'm going to sort of jump back to hypertrophy. So if anyone listening to this is an aspiring online coach, what would your number one piece of advice for that person be? make sure you educate yourself I know I'm hammering that home but like at the end of the day if you're coaching someone you need to be 100% confident in what you're doing otherwise it can be quite dangerous so if you want to get a good step behind you and put yourself above like some of the other online coaches just make sure you are clued up on what you're doing because I think at the end of the day like you can sort out the business stuff fairly easily it's not like it's not 
rocket science just make sure you know what you're doing in terms of coaching a physical person um and you'll be fine yeah Yeah. I think on that note Phil like a lot of people these days tend to jump to get in a business mentor literally as soon as they Mm -hmm. start online coaching and they almost like bypass education now as if it's optional yeah how from your perspective is that problematic it's very problematic (laughs) at the end of the day someone someone can grow a business with completely the wrong intentions they're literally just trying to get money and yes you can I'm not saying you can't but you know if you're not doing it at the end of the day to help people which is the point of online coaching it's to you know to get people in the shape of their lives or the mindset of their lives or whatever it is that you value like that's what needs to drive you not I need to make money yeah I also think it's worth bearing in mind that like a lot of the business coaches in the industry who are promising people the world they are a classic example of people who are very money driven driven sorry and they will do almost anything to make more money and a lot of the those types of people Mm -hmm. will do the least that they can to get that money and I think it's really important to bear that in mind when you're thinking of looking into a business mentor, make sure that you do your research, make sure that you're investing in someone who is genuinely really experienced and great at what they do and who you can genuinely learn from and who is willing to give you their time or obviously has a course produced which gives you the information that you need, that's fine. But make sure that you're investing in someone who genuinely wants to help and isn't just going to rip you off yeah I think there's a lot of uh people that have gone into this business mentorship um thing with kind of like they've seen it as a gap in the market they've seen that they can make money from it and so that's the route that they've gone down from a business mentor perspective um and that is you know slightly concerning I think um I also do know of a lot of people that have gone down that route without having majorly successful businesses themselves that's what I was just going to say as well it's concerning when you think about it (laughs) But they've obviously established that this is something that they can make a lot of money from. So they've gone down that route. So, yeah, like personally, if I was going to choose a business mentor for the record, for anyone listening, I don't have a business mentor. Um, But if I was going to invest in a business mentor, it would be someone who has a very successful business and who I feel is going to be able to help me with the things that I need help with like not somebody who's actually just come from the fitness industry had a failed fitness business and then decided oh business coaching would be a great money-making opportunity so I'm going to go down that route now they've actually failed at their previous business yeah so how (laughs) are they going to help you with your business they might be making money now because they've convinced people that they are going to provide them with a decent service but that business won't be long lasting unless they're actually helping people. Yeah. You've got to look past the facade of the marketing as well, because half the time these people are very good at sales and yeah. sales pitching and getting you on to that particular course and then not really delivering at all. So you've got to make sure you're 100% confident and you've got it in a contract that you can get out of it as well. I would definitely recommend that from from experience. 
Yeah. And I would 100% like talk to people who have had coaching from that person, business coaching from that person as well. Um, And not just one person and make sure that the people you're talking to, I would say, wanted to grow their business in similar ways to what you do. So, for example, if you don't want to sacrifice your values to build your business, you also need to talk to other people who wouldn't want to do that either. Because obviously there are ways I could make more money if I wanted to completely sacrifice all of my values and coach like and market what I would call in an unethical way, I could make more money. Exactly or, the same boat that I'm in. That wouldn't make me happy. <laughs> yeah. No, not at all. Not at so all. I think it's really worth considering that. Um, and flipping back on the hypertrophy perspective, Phil, if yeah. uh, a woman is listening to this podcast and they really want to progress with hypertrophy, what would your top pieces of advice be for that woman? Hmm. Number one, make sure you're eating enough I think that's a mistake that I made for years um I think the first like four years I was training I don't think I changed like at all physically because I didn't I just didn't eat enough and I think that's a really really big one for a lot of women because quite often they're quite intimidated by that prospect um but it's really important for hypertrophy Um, The other one is making sure you're sticking to a progressive plan and not just chopping and changing your workouts all the time. I literally recorded a video on this earlier. (laughs) I was talking about all my mistakes that I made at the beginning. I'm going to post it maybe later in the week so you'll see this. But um, yeah, that's another one. Don't chop and change your workouts all the time because yes, you might burn calories, but you're not going to make the same progress in regards to muscle hypertrophy that you would if you were sticking to the same exercises and progressing them for a good block. Um, The other one, I can't even think, make sure you're getting enough recovery. Um, That's very important. If you're anything like me, when I started training, I used to train constantly. Like I was terrified of taking rest days because I thought it wasn't getting me towards my goals. But at the end of the day, like you're breaking down the muscle in the gym, but you've got to recover from that. And if you actually do take a step back and make sure you are resting enough, it will do you a world of favors in terms of how strong you feel in the gym, how, you know, how your strength goes up massively. And it will help in terms of muscle hypertrophy. Um, I can't think of anything else. You've got anything else? <laughs> no, I think they're great points. And I love the last point of actually like sometimes less is more. I've had so many clients come to me that are just training far too much or with far too much volume. And actually that's stopping them from training hard enough. So they're not seeing the progress that they should be seeing for the amount of effort they're putting in. So it's like, actually, let's just pull it back. Let's make sure your form is in a really good place. Let's make sure that your training is quality and you're not just doing shitloads of work, but ineffective work. Definitely. Definitely. That's a very good point as well. Like form is crucial and making sure that you're performing everything well. So that's something that I always do with you do as well. We both do with our clients is making sure you look at training videos, especially, you know, when they're in the early days of getting into a plan, because you need to make sure that form is spot on before they're really looking to progress those exercises. Yeah, definitely. Um, and where can anyone find you if they're listening to this on like social media if you have a website what is your website where can they contact you 
Yeah, the best place to find me at the moment is on Instagram. It's just at Philly underscore Fleming. I'm just in the process of sorting out my website, so it's not quite up yet. So find me on Instagram and we'll go from there. When Phil's website is up, I will put it in the description down below and I will put obviously her Instagram handle down below. But thank you so much for listening, guys. As always, it means the world. If you do enjoy the content on the Female Fitness Podcast, please do like, subscribe and share that you're listening on your Instagram story. And if any of you would like any supplements from Fullbore, you can use the code Danny10 at the checkout, save you a little bit of money. And I will see you in the next one. Thank you so much for joining us, Phil. Thanks, guys.